live from Cambridge, Massachusetts, Cambridge Vintage Mystery Players are pleased to present the debut performance of the fiendishly frivolous Foley Fandango. For their previous cases, the Marshall sisters have gone undercover in a vaudeville dancing act. Sugar fits. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Worked in the chocolate dipping room of a candy factory. and smashed music boxes looking for clues. In this latest case, it's 1929, and broadcast radio continues to flourish in Cambridge, bringing shocking truth, mysticism, and entertainment into every house. But it also brings mysterious threats against the station. The Marshall sisters learn about the amazing contributions of a Cambridge couple to the civil rights movement while working to solve the case and creating a time capsule to commemorate women's suffrage. Act one, scene one, 438 speakeasy. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, oh my god. god. I know. <laughs> well, that's right. I couldn't yes. believe it. It was just <laughs> What an amazing double feature. Queen of the bootleggers and daring dame detectives. I'm so glad you came all the way from Belfast, Maine, Joanne. You shred it, we. I couldn't miss the premiere of a talkie about my cousin's detective agency. I can't, I still can't believe Miss Arsner got Clara Bow to play you and Mary Pickford to play Louise. And how? And Queenie, alias Miss Sims, originally Mary Peabody, was the cat's pajamas playing herself in Queen of the Bootleggers. She sure was firing on all cylinders when she opened this speakeasy here in the basement of our office building and radio station. Darling, such an exciting premiere at Scenic Temple Picture Palace. So many studio bigwigs came all the way out to Cambridge from the coast, and every one of them flapping their gums until my head needed peace. Waiter, more tea over here, please. What will your next talkie be about, Miss Arsner? I'm thinking of doing a futuristic film about the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage set in 2020. It's exciting to imagine what things will be like in 2020. I wonder how many women presidents the U.S. will have had by then. And Congress will be at least 50% women. It's so exciting to imagine. Hey. Why don't we put together a time capsule of the fight for women's suffrage? We can bury it on Cambridge Common, and it can be dug up in a hundred years. Could you put that in the talkie, Miss Arsner? Dorothy, darling, celebrating your latest triumph. For that, sir? I thought you were in jail. Oh, that little thing. You haven't kept up with your variety reading, Dotty, or you would know that I am producing a tell-all film about my brilliant career as a gentleman jewel thief, the debonair diamond purloiner. 
In case you've forgotten, your antics resulted in a lot of maids on Brattle Street being accused of your crimes by their employers. And Mrs. Myers still wants your head on a platter for using the Gabby Gossip show on her radio station to select your victims. I've only met her once, but I wouldn't want her after me. What's this all about? Remember Priscilla Plimpton from school? That snobby girl with the sister who was always speaking out against women's suffrage? Ugh, I sure do. What's she got to do with it? The professor here blackmailed her into revealing when rich people with lots of jewels were going to be away so he could rob them. What could he possibly have on that wet smack? <laughs> if you can believe it, he had a photo of her at a suffrage rally and threatened to show it to her family. Applesauce! No, it's the real McCoy. Speaking of Mrs. Myers, I hear her heading this way. Professor, you better beat feet out of here. Yes, and don't ever call me Dotty again, you, you. One, scene two, Marshall Sisters Detective Agency. I'm telling you, someone is threatening to kill me. Kill you? I am the one who is being threatened. Calm down, ladies. It, it, it sounds like you've both been hitting the giggle juice a bit too hard, coming in here talking about death threats. This is Cambridge, not Chicago, for Pete's sake. Giggle juice? Listen, toots. All right, all right. Keep your hair on. Why don't you both sit down and tell me your stories one at a time, Mrs. Myers. Why don't you start? As you know, now that my radio station is taken off, everyone is listening and talking about it, which is good. The main reason the station is so popular is that people love my show because I connect them with the spirits of their loved ones who have passed over. Okay, okay. You do hook a lot of live ones to come over to your salon for paid consultation. Live ones? Ladies, ladies, please. Well, radio was a lot like vaudeville. You gotta try out different shows, just like stage acts, to see which ones are the most popular. That means I get an earful from people who love or hate certain shows. Everyone loves my show. Adam, please. Let Mrs. Myers finish her story first. I'm still trying to figure out where the death threats come in. I've seen the demonstrators outside over the past couple of weeks. They seem to be against inappropriate content, right? Is it too socialist or not socialist enough? I got local business advertising now, and they only want to be associated with tasteful content, like high-class vaudeville, whatever that is. But they wouldn't pull these kinds of stunts. At least I don't have to worry about Dolly's dancing darling skirt length and the city council on the radio. Ah, uh, finally, we're getting somewhere. What stunts? The retinent phone calls telling me to stop what I'm doing the or else. The been coming into my salon as well as to the radio stations. Some people can't accept the fact that spirits are still with us. 
Ah, in my days in St. Petersburg with royalty and nobles, this would never have happened. Don't you mean your days in Hoboken, New Jersey, toots? Okay, so you're both getting annoying phone calls, but we all know that there are a lot of cranks out there that make calls, but they never actually do anything. What makes you think these are the real deal? The harmless cranks usually give up after a couple of calls, but these keep coming every day. And sometimes the calls come into my salon, which, as you know, is downstairs from the radio station and your office, but has its own phone number. It is very disturbing when I am trying to help my poor dear clients to connect with their loved ones. Well, this definitely sounds worthy of investigation. I'll need to go undercover at the radio station and ask Alice to keep an eye out for suspicious characters outside and in the building. Good idea. I'll put you on the switchboard and have Gladys show you how to use it. If I remember correctly, you weren't half bad at that when you solved that case at the massive candy factory. Definitely better than when you were being sawed in half in my vaudeville theater. Yeah, okay, okay, I get your point. I'll see you upstairs in the station in a few minutes. And I'll bring our standard contract with the daily fees. But nobody could be worse undercover than your sister in that tap dancing act. Talk about three left feet. Act one, scene three, WCMB radio station. Sis, that's great that we've got another case. But do you think we'll be able to figure out who this crank caller is? I'm hoping that with you working at the station so much on engineering and, and what did you call that stuff? You'll have some really good ideas. Foley. It's using everyday objects to make sound effects for the radio. They use it in talkies, too. One example is someone is running down the stairs. You use shoes or pieces of wood on top of a box, like this. Wow! That's the cat's meow. Don't go running off to Hollywood on me, or Jimmy Morrison. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave Cambridge. Mrs. Myers has given me great opportunities here at the station, but I feel bad that I'm not able to help much with the agency these days. That's okay, sis. I always know I can call on you when I need you, and it's handy having the station in the same building as our office. Wish me luck as I start on my next undercover job switchboard operator. Good luck. <laughs> At least you don't have to get sawed in half or tap dance. <laughs> Hi, Miss Marshall. Mrs. Myers asked me to show you how to use a switchboard. It's not very complicated because we only have a few lines and extensions. Thanks, Gladys. This definitely looks less complicated than the one at Massive Candy. Oh, look, here's a call coming in now. Why don't you pick it up? <clears throat> Good afternoon, WCMB Radio Cambridge. <laughs> Mrs. Myers, hold please. Good. Now, you buzz Mrs. Myers' line like this and wait for her to answer so you can tell her she has a call. I usually take the earpiece off when I call her because... What do you want? 
Mrs. Myers, I have a call for you. Who is it? Probably some bozo wanted me to feature their cat circus. Animal acts on the radio. Uh, she or he refuses to give a name, just says it's a confidential matter of great importance. All right, put it through. Caller, I'm connecting you now. The caller just said if I don't stop running shows like this, and then a gunshot. Act 2C1, Marshal Detective Agency. Extra, extra, read all about it. Death threats world, world, the death threats to world famous radio medium who served the ground heads of Europe. Ground heads of Europe, you silly boy. Lady, that's what I said, ground heads of Europe. What was all that palaver out there? Just Mystica getting her bloomers in a twist. Let's look at this list of WCMB shows before we have to get a wiggle on up to the radio station to get ready for your interview with Gertrude Wright Morgan and Clement Morgan. So we have Gabby Gossip with Miss Pris. Anti-socialist. Madam Mystica's show. Wacky, but seems unlikely to get anyone head up for or against socialism. Although some people think spirits are evil and trying to contact them is against God's will. My show. Socialist. <laughs> and all the others are pretty innocuous shows about gardening, lonely hearts, domestic arts, and, and dance music. And you said Mrs. Myers is adding a Sunday night mystery play? So it's got to be one of the first three that's getting this cook, cook all head up. Good start on the case. Now let's get up to the station. Good morning, Marshall Sisters Detective Agency. <laughs> Louise, run to the window and see if there's anyone in the phone booth downstairs. Listen here, Buster. I don't know who you think you are, but they hung up. I couldn't see anyone in the phone booth because the trolley was in the way, but I heard the voice on the phone and the gunshot. So now we've officially been threatened too. Scene 2, WCMB radio station. It's 2 o'clock, and we're coming to you live from WCAB, Cambridge's first and only radio station. This is Louise Marshall, host of Shocking Secrets, and I am so pleased to welcome my guests today, Gertrude Wright Morgan and Clement Morgan, Cambridge residents and longtime civil rights and suffrage activists. Welcome to WCAB, Mrs. and Mr. Morgan. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Marshall. Mrs. Morgan, can you tell our listeners about your experiences as the first colored female student to attend your high school in Springfield, Illinois? Oh, it was difficult at first because a lot of the other students and even some of the teachers didn't think that a colored person, especially a colored girl, belonged in their school, so they made life difficult for me. 
That must have been so hard. How did you keep going? I was determined to get a good education so I could uplift myself and my people. So I continued to attend every day and work hard. My parents and some of the teachers supported and encouraged me and I graduated third in my class and became a teacher. That is impressive. I understand that you and Mr. Morgan are longtime Cambridge residents and have been active locally and nationally in the civil rights and women's suffrage movements. Yes, uh, I moved from Washington DC to Massachusetts to pursue my education after high school, first at Boston Latin and then at Harvard University in law school. As an attorney, I handled many civil rights cases in addition to working with many others for racial equality across our nation. Uh, Clement is too modest to tell you that he was the first colored person to graduate from both Harvard University and Harvard Law School, as well as the first colored alderman in New England. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about your work on the founding of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People? Gertrude and I joined with others, including my Harvard classmates and friends, W.E.B. Du Bois and William Monroe Trotter, to start the Niagara Movement in 1905. The movement had a newspaper, the Boston Guardian, which stressed a policy of social and political freedom for all. The Niagara Movement and the Boston Guardian were formed to counteract the segregationist movement in the South, which was sadly accepted by Booker T. Washington. Now, the Niagara Movement continued until 1908, when a terrible race riot in my hometown of Springfield, Illinois, the first, state in a uh, the first in a northern state in 40 years, caused the founders to disband and to establish a multiracial organization to use legal means to make long-lasting long changes nationally and on a state-by-state -state level, the NAACP. A lot of the discussions about and planning for these organizations has taken place at our house over on Prospect Street. We are fortunate that so many people working for social justice and equality live here in Cambridge. Mrs. Morgan, can you tell our listeners about your work on the women's suffrage movement locally and nationally? For me, as for all colored women, women's suffrage and equal voting rights for the races are inseparable. So a lot of my work on the women's suffrage movement goes hand in hand with my civil rights work. I served as a representative for my ward and a committee for better city government, which included a, a focus on women's and racial equality in our city. I currently serve as president of the Women's Era Club, which is a philanthropic organization based right across the river in Boston. We focus on racial uplift and women's suffrage and our motto is make the world better. Mrs. Morgan, we're working with the city to create and bury a time capsule on Cambridge Common that honors Cambridge women's contributions to the passage of the 19th Amendment. Would you like to attend and contribute some artifacts based on your work? Thank you so much, Ms. Marshall. I would be happy to do that. Mr. and Mrs. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing the tireless work you do every day for social justice. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Marshall. That's the end of today's show. Coming up next, Gabby Gossip with Priscilla Plumpton. Good afternoon and welcome to Gabby Gossip with Priscilla Plimpton. I would like to begin today by wishing the Worthington Prescotts all the best on their glittering silver wedding anniversary celebration gala, 
which will take place at the Sheraton Commander this Saturday. They really are the creme de la creme and Cambridge royalty. Also, it's my pleasure to introduce a guest today, gentleman jewel thief and famous Hollywood director, Cecil B. DeMille Jr., here to tell us about his work in front of the camera and his soon-to-be-released talkie. Thank you, Miss Plimpton. Yes, the new film based on my exploits right here in Cambridge is called The Debonair Diamond Purloiner and debuts next month. And how were you enjoying being in front of the camera instead of behind it, as you usually are when directing? Well, Miss Plimpton, when one has as many gifts as I do, one is duty-bound to share them with the public. And my methods were very clever. Of course, it meant that I won't be able to do the film for Mrs. Myers about the dawn of broadcast radio, but one can do only so much. To scene three, Marshall Detective Agency. Great show, sis. I had no idea that Cambridge re residents have had so much impact on the civil rights movement. I know. Since meeting Ida B. Wells, I've really taken her advice to heart about learning and sharing the truth, including finding out more about all the social justice activists we have right here in Cambridge. Do you think this truth-telling on the radio is what is motivating the threatening calls? It might be, but I don't care. Knock, knock! Oh, I noticed the door was open on my way down the stairs from the radio station. You should care, Louise. It's really frightening knowing that threats are being made against the radio station. William, my fiancé, doesn't want to be exposed to this sort of sordidness. Priscilla. It seems like you're back to your old self with your snobby shows about snobs. Did you ever think that your show might be causing the death threats? The majority of people in Cambridge don't live like you and your Tory row cronies and don't want to hear about your trivial doings. Yes, what happened to your recent resolution to be more independent instead of caring only about social position and wealth? Oh, that was just a phase. I've decided to retain my rightful place here in society and marry William to Frothingham. Our wedding will be the social event of the season. Don't bother checking your mailbox for an invitation. <laughs> well, I guess she told us. I'm closing the door to avoid future eavesdroppers. Unless people are listening through the radiator pipes. Hopefully now that the office below us is back to being just a medium salon instead of the psychic vaudeville or vaudeville psychic detective agency. And I use the term loosely. They won't be trying to listen in and steal our cases again. It happens it again. Happens again. <laughs> Let's get to the radio station right now to see if we can figure this out. Uh, that reminds me, Mrs. Myers and Madame, we never settled the payment arrangements and the retainer. There's no time for that right now. We have to get to the station and look for clues. Act 3, Scene 1, Cambridge Common. 
And so it is my honor today to open the dedication ceremony for this time capsule celebrating the contributions of Cambridge women to the suffrage movement that resulted in the passage of the 19th Amendment in 1920. I'm also pleased to announce that the world famous director Dorothy Osner is filming today's ceremony for her newest talking. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. This is a wonderful opportunity to capture this momentous milestone in the history of women's equality for my next film, a spectacular feature entitled When Women Reign. That will take place in 2020 on the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. Ready, set, action. Dorothy, what are you doing here? I just happen to be strolling on Cambridge Common. What? Professor, do you really expect me to believe that you just happen to be strolling with your entire film crew? This is an outrage. Die. The greatest director of my generation should be plagued by this common criminal. Dotty, remember, I'm not a criminal. I'm a celebrity sharing my cunning trickery in a soon-to-be-released talkie. The debonair diamond thief. Professor, Ms. Arzner has the film rights to this ceremony, and we would like to get on with it, if you don't mind. Miss Marshall, this is a public place. And anyone can observe and film anything happening here. Just ignore him and keep going, Alice. Ready, set, action. Thank you, Mayor Quinn. As you say, Cambridge women have long been active in social justice work, including the abolition of slavery, civil rights, and women's suffrage. Just a few of the Cambridge women we honor today are Margaret Fuller, Alice Hubbard Bell, and an honored guest who is joining us today, Gertrude Wright Morgan. Thank you, Ms. Marshall. It is an honor to share with you today these items honoring some of the many colored women of Cambridge who contributed to the women's suffrage movement and who continue to work for equality between the races because the struggle continues across the nation. I place in this time capsule a copy of a speech made by Charlotte Hawkins Brown, Vice President of the National Association of Negro Women, one of many about the importance of women's suffrage. A banner held by myself and other members of the Women's Era Club during a 1919 suffrage rally. One of many articles of women's suffrage written by my friend and neighbor, Mariah Baldwin, the first colored woman school headmaster in Massachusetts. Thank you, Mrs. Morgan. You, you, you do it. No, you do it. You do it. Let's just do it together. Okay. Uh, Miss Marshall, where's Tommy's cousins, Laura and Janet? He told us about the time capsule. And we'd like to put some things in it. Oh, we brought a sign used by our cousin, Anne McAllister, a union organizer, a massive candy factory that says, equal pay for equal work because the girls who work in the chocolate dipping room like us used to only get paid $5 a week while the men got paid eight, which wasn't fair. Get a close up of the tear in her eye. Cut! Do you mind? Just ignore them and keep going. 
well, uh, now thanks to Ann, we all get paid the same $10 a week. That is great to hear. Now I'm going to add these two items. Mabel Hubbard Bell's Votes for Women sign, which she brought to rallies and marches here and in Washington. The Votes for Women signs that my sister Louise and I used to bring when we skipped school to attend suffrage rallies. Scene two, WCAB radio station. So, uh, why are we here in this dark, creepy, empty radio station in the middle of the night? Because I have an idea about how these threatening calls and gunshots are being done, and it's all based on Foley. Do tell. Well, as I showed you earlier in the week, I used Foley to make different sound effects for the Sunday evening plays. Like the footsteps you showed me the other day, but what does that have to do with our mysterious caller? I remembered playing around with making the sound of a gunshot for the Sunday plays, and here's what I came up with. That is amazing. So the caller didn't actually have to be firing a gun at all. Right. Also, I've been making recordings of the music and drama shows so they can be played back for future broadcasts. Well, how is that possible? Here's the setup. I use this new Western electric system of electronic microphone, amplifier, and electromechanical recorder to capture the audio onto wax cylinders. Something similar is used in talkies, where large soundtrack records are played on a turntable mechanically interlocked with the projector. I don't mean to be a dumb Dora, but what does that electromechanical thingamajing have to do with the mystery calls? Because anything that can be recorded can be played back. For example, into a phone receiver, and if some extra blank time is put at the beginning of the voice recording... Oh, then the person receiving the call could be the same person making it if they leave the phone off the hook and start the playback. So, who else besides you knows how to do this? Unless you're the culprit. <laughs> Very funny. Do you know which kind of business started using recording and playback equipment very early on? So-called psychics and mediums to produce the ghostly sounds and voices. Like that crazy dame you worked for right after the war, whatever she called herself. Just like that. And we seem to have a medium in this case, too. You go down to her salon while I stay here and try something to catch her. Three, scene three, Madam Mystica Salon. Open up, Madam. I know you're in there. What's going on? You're doing as much caterwauling as a cat circus down here. Come on in, Mrs. Myers. This will interest you strangely, in the words of Sherlock Holmes. Miss Marshall, Mrs. Myers, what brings you to my salon? 
at this hour. Your loud knocking is disturbing the spirits. Bless her the spirits, stop, madam. We're not some of your live ones that you hook on the radio. Live ones? When I was in St. Petersburg. Hoboken. This is Madame Mystica. How can the spirits comfort you tonight? Oh, brother. Who is this? How can this be? Are you wondering how somebody else could be using your trick, madam? Yes, I mean, how dare you accuse me? Are you telling me this woo-woo dame cooked up the whole scheme herself? I, I, that is, once that film director decided not to make the talkie about the radio station, I was having a hard time getting clients. I remembered that in some of my previous work. I had used recordings to, well, it doesn't matter what for. So you decided that coming up with the threatening calls and claiming that they were coming directly into your salon as well as to the radio station would get you some much needed publicity. Madam, they say that all publicity is good publicity and they got it right. Come on down to the basement for a cup of tea and we'll discuss our future plans. Mrs. Myers, about our contract and fees. Act four, scene four, 438 speakeasy. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. Mrs. Myers thought the whole scam was a wonderful idea. Look over at that corner table. She and Madame are whooping it up together and making future plans to get even more publicity. Great job solving the case. I'm impressed with how much you've learned about audio engineering. Did you know that is now a job in Hollywood? There are lots of job opportunities now, and even though it's still hard for women to get any job, I could use my pool with the studio to get you in. That's a really exciting offer, Mrs. Arsner. But I don't think I can leave Cambridge. My sister, the radio station, and other people right now. All right, but if you ever want to get out of a place where there's snow in April, you let me know. Waiter, more tea. 